friends, welcome to the Self-Care Sisterhood Podcast, where we're all about taking action and making progress towards what matters most. My name's Brittany, and I'm a coach, community builder, and your self-care BFF. My heart is to empower and equip hardworking, purpose-driven women just like you to take care of yourself so that you can go out into your world and love and serve from that overflow. Each week, we'll tackle topics that help you show up as your best self, navigate sticking points, and get real and raw about what it takes to be on journey. I'm the founder of the Self-Care Sisterhood community, and I believe we weren't meant to do life or our journeys alone. I wanna help you live your best life. So welcome, let's dive in. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Self-Care Sisterhood podcast and the final episode of 2023. Cue the glitter, the confetti, and bottles being popped, okay? As we round out the year, I thought it would be fun to revisit some of your favorite episodes from the Self-Care Sisterhood podcast. And last week, we kicked it off with part one, talking about all things mental health, self-care, burnout from your top three episodes this past year. And today, we're going to dive into the rest of your top six downloaded, most listened to episodes in our best of series. If you're new here, hey girl, hey, I'm so pumped you press play. Just one year ago, this podcast didn't even exist. And today, we're officially celebrating 40 episodes in and growing. As the year winds down, I got a chance to sit back and kind of revisit all of the episodes throughout the year that our community that you guys vibed with most. And I know that you guys love when I have my husband Charles on the show. And I also know that you love when we have real talk, when we have topics that are like super honest and authentic surrounding depression, burnout and how to take ownership of your goals in your life, right? Like how to keep making moves despite all of that heavy, hard stuff that sometimes we carry with us. And like I said last week, I'm just so, so grateful for every listen, every share, all the feedback on social and reviews y'all sent my way since starting this journey. Honestly, when I started this podcast, I didn't know what to expect. And I just knew that I love teaching. I have a heart for teaching, but I also wanted a space where it felt like we were on journey together, where we could grow together and take care of ourselves along the way. I know what it's like to do this journey alone. I know that we were not made to do this journey alone, and I just didn't want anyone to feel left out. I wanted a space where you felt heard and seen and held while you're on journey, pursuing all that's on your heart and navigating the messy, uncomfortable middle parts of your journey too, right? It's just been so interesting to look back at the episodes you listen to most in 2023 because there's definitely a theme. It's very clear that our community loves to talk about mental health and taking ownership of our self-care journey, how to live less stressed or burnt out lives. And if you missed that episode, that mashup, be sure to check out part one of our best of series. Looking back, though, we also love to talk about creating a life you freaking crave how to achieve your goals in order to do that, and the way you manage your time, your calendar, your energy in order to live a focused and intentional life. So that's what today's mashup is all about. I love you guys so freaking much. I hope you're having an amazing end to the year, and I can't wait to keep pouring into this community in 2024. P.S. If you love the clips and you want to hear more, I've also included the full episode links below, so check those out. All right, guys, I will see you in January. Let's dive in. Today, I get to take you back a little bit. I get to take you back before I started this podcast, before I spent 10 years as a health and fitness coach. Like, I want to take you way back before all of that and just kind of peel back some layers on a piece of my story and a couple things I've learned along the way. For those of you who don't know, I was an elementary school teacher coming out of college. It was my dream job, y'all. The one that I spent my entire youth thinking about. 
I honestly wasn't the type of girl who didn't know what she wanted to be when she grew up. Whenever anyone asked, I would proudly reply, a teacher. My mom was a teacher. My dad was a teacher. I just, I loved school. I loved the smell of it. I loved the routine of it. I loved learning and growing and trying all of it. Honestly, I was kind of sad every time summer break came around because I loved school. I was born to be a teacher, so much so that I spent most of my time after school as a little girl tucked away in my bedroom playing imaginary school. I'd line up the rows of students and stand proudly in front of them with an old copy of a teacher's manual that my mom had given me to teach. I loved it. And there was no doubt that this was my path. Maybe you've been there in your life too before where you knew exactly what you were going to be and that path was like laid out for you. That was me. And I'll never forget the moment I got my first teaching job. I graduated in Michigan and getting a job in education at that time was really tricky. I knew if I wanted to get my own position, I'd actually have to leave the state. And I don't know why Florida appealed to me, probably the weather and the beaches. (laughs) But I found myself flying to a job fair in Tampa to see if I could lock in a job. A few booths later, I was shaking hands with someone from Miami-Dade County Public Schools, and the rest of the summer, I spent packing and prepping to move from Michigan to Miami. I drove my red Ford Mustang down I-75 from Detroit all the way to Miami, and the next morning, I got myself to the board office to get placed within the district. By lunchtime, they had sent me to my assignment, which was second grade at Citrus Grove Elementary. I walked into their back-to-school in-service, and on a break, I went up to the principal to introduce myself. She gave me this, like, weird once-over and handed me the keys to my room. It was wild, y'all. Like, never did I expect this is how I would get a job. I didn't even interview in front of the principal. They simply just placed me at this school. And I'll never forget then walking into the classroom. The teacher's desk, like imagine, I walk in, it's an empty room, and in the middle of this dark empty room is a teacher's desk turned upside down. There weren't any student desks in there, which I later learned I'd actually have to go and steal one by one from various other rooms, like after hours after people left. And the one thing I vividly remember thinking was, wow, like there's no alphabet on the ceiling. And then I was like, does that mean I actually have to like go buy it? I was so confused because as a as a graduate, I never even envisioned like the amount of dollars I would have to pour back into my classroom. I almost assumed that it would just kind of be there for me. And maybe in your experience, if you're a fellow teacher listening to this, maybe that's how your district operated. Or maybe you got really great hand-me-downs. Luckily, because my mom was a teacher, I did get some great hand-me-downs. But just in general, I didn't have anything. I had no books, no reading station, no other stations or equipment. I think maybe I had one computer that I could like put together with mismatched pieces. I had nothing, nothing in that space. And I learned that that was the reality of public education. I worked in that school for two years, always praying that they didn't transfer me because I was so low on the totem pole. But it did happen. Two months into my third year, they had their annual budget meeting. And because the numbers were lower, my position was no longer necessary. So in my third year, two months into it, I had already started the school year and everything. They took the students that I had started with and they displaced them into other rooms. And then I was sent to another school. And that was my reality. Every year I had to worry that like two months into the school year, I'd lose my position and get relocated and have to start all over. And the heartbreaking thing was that this was supposed to be my path. This was that thing that I longed for my whole life, the thing that I knew I was good at and created for. But the reality was most days I would sit in my classroom at the end of the day, just worn out and exhausted and wonder to myself, is this it? 
I had this elephant on my chest that this couldn't possibly be it. I knew I was made for more than the life I was currently living. And hear my heart. I love teaching. I'm a teacher. And I'm not saying that being something other than a teacher equates more. But I knew in my life, for me, I wasn't living up to my God-given calling and purpose. I knew there was more out there for me. And it was at that time I realized that if I wanted something, if I craved something, no one was going to come and rescue me. No one was going to save me. No one was going to come and do the work for me. I realized that I had to create what I craved. I'd learned this lesson over and over again in so many other spaces in my life. If I craved friends, for example, I'd have to create that friend circle. If I craved a loving and inviting home, I'd have to create that. If I craved to be healthy and fit, I'd have to create the routine that would help me get there. And if I craved a job that offered me freedom and choice, I'd have to get out there and create it. Create what you crave became this mantra of mine. It became a mantra that I started sharing with women that I mentored. And today I'm really pumped because I wanted to pass that wisdom along to this community. Because I believe a deep piece of self-care that we don't focus on enough is the actual ownership and responsibility that we need to take over our own lives to create what we crave and build lives we're freaking obsessed with. Create what you crave is this mantra that I'm always saying. And today I thought it'd be fun if I actually break down what that means so that you don't just hear this like create what you crave, like woo woo mantra, but that you actually can walk away from this and implement something because that's what I'm all about in this space is taking focused and intentional action around things that matter most to you, right? So if you're resonating with my story, if you're like, you know what, I have looked around at the end of my day and been like, is this it? Or I have realized that there's things that I desire or crave and I'm kind of just like wishing for them versus working for them. Today's episode is going to be so, so good for you. So let's dive in. The first part is deciding what you desire. Figuring out what you truly desire is a crucial first step on the journey to creating a life that you love. So let's chat through a couple helpful places to start. Number one is self-reflection. Start by setting aside some quiet, uninterrupted time for self-reflection. We talk a lot on here about grabbing a journal, finding a cozy spot to think and reflect, but considering questions like what brings you joy? What activities make you lose track of time? When have you felt the most fulfilled and content? Reflecting on these moments can provide valuable insights into your true desires. And when I did my own self-reflection, I realized the things of education that I loved. Like I loved creating projects for my students. I loved creating the atmosphere for my students. I loved creating that community feel. And so when I realized that this wasn't the exact place where I was thriving, when I moved myself and started creating what I craved in my own business, I realized that those things could come with me because I loved them. They brought me joy and they were things that helped me feel fulfilled, right? Number two is exploring your passions. Often I find that the things we desire, the things we crave, they're closely tied to the things we're also passionate about. So what excites you? What can you get lost in? I want you to think about hobbies, interests, even like subjects that you're curious about. What did you love as a kid? How can you bring more of that into your day-to-day? I loved teaching as a kid. That's something I did all the stinking time in my playtime, in my imaginary play. And so I knew that just because the classroom might not have been the best fit for me, I knew that teaching was still the thing for me, right? And so looking at what you're passionate about, looking at what you loved as a kid, it's often that reliable like compass or GPS when it comes to looking at what you desire, right? Another thing is figuring out your values. Our values play a significant role in shaping what we desire. What values are most important to you? Is it family, 
Do you crave adventure? Maybe you love personal growth or you deeply desire to make an impact or maybe it's something else entirely. Understanding your core values can help you align your desires with what truly matters most. If you're saying family is your core desire, but your family is kind of getting like what's left of you at the end of the day, then maybe the path that you're on in terms of your job isn't allowing you to live out your core value, right? If one of your core values is adventure, but you feel like your day-to-day is very rote, routine, monotonous, then how can you shake it up? How can you put something more adventurous into it, right? If personal growth is something that you care deeply about, but you don't know the last time you went to an event that helped you stretch as a human or surrounded yourself with more growth-oriented conversations, then that's an indicator for you where you can create what you're craving, right? Okay, another one for me is visualing out your ideal day or life. Now, I don't like to do my like ideal life because I feel like that's really, I feel like that's that's really challenging. But when I can just break it down to like, what, what would an ideal day look like? Like imagine an ideal day without any constraints, okay? Like, let's put money, time, all the things to the side. I want you to think about your dream career, dream relationships. What would the healthiest version of you look like? And maybe like, what would your lifestyle look like? What does that perfect day look like? What are you doing? Who are you with? What choices do you have? And how do you spend your time? How do you feel? When I can break down what that ideal day looks like, I can start making choices that help me move closer to those desires, right? So that visualization can be a powerful tool when you're trying to pinpoint specific desires. Okay. And last one, stick with me. I promise this one's good. Get jealous. Seriously, get jealous. Jealousy when approached with a healthy perspective can actually be a really valuable clue to uncovering the things you desire. We're taught that jealousy is this bad thing, but actually, if you viewed jealousy as a tool for self-discovery, it might change the way you view things, right? When you feel that like that feeling or that pang of jealousy towards someone else's achievements or maybe the lifestyle they have, often it's pointing you directly to something you desire for yourself. So pay attention to what triggers your jealousy. Is it a friend's successful career? That person you see on social with like amazing blending and boundaries of work and life? Or maybe it's that like DIY account you follow who always has the best ideas when it comes to home projects. Identifying what triggers you can pinpoint the areas of your life where you might have unfulfilled desires. So instead of scrolling social and then like looking at others through this lens of jealousy, flip it and ask yourself why you feel this way. What is it about their achievements or their lifestyle that resonates with you? Anytime I look at somebody and I can start to feel a little jealous of what they have, I realize that's a clue. It's like a mirrored reflection of what I actually want. Maybe it's their achievements or lifestyle. Is it the sense of accomplishment, freedom, or creativity? Looking at the why behind your jealousy can offer valuable insights. And I think, like I said, we've gotten jealousy all wrong because it's actually a mirror reflecting those desires. It can be a catalyst for change, motivating you to take action towards creating the life you truly crave. So if you have all these Pinterest boards of the things you deeply desire, instead of looking at them and saying, man, I wish, why don't you go and do? In a recent conversation with one of my besties, we were talking about how fruitful our years have been so far. It's wild. She hosted this vision party at her house, like in the middle of January. And when we were talking to each other, we were looking back on all that we've both done, like in our journeys so far this year. And it was so crazy that none of it was alive when the year started. For example, she started this breath work and cold therapy business that at the time when we were at her house, it wasn't even really a thought. In fact, she was simply telling 
testing out cold therapy. She was doing like this little like cold plunge challenge for 30 days after seeing the impact it had had on her husband's life coming out of the military. So she that's like where she was. She didn't even have this like breathwork cold therapy business. She was just testing this thing out. She was just trying something. And for me, I hadn't even started my podcast. I hadn't started the sisterhood membership at that time. We were simply holding on to like tiny seeds of faith at the beginning of a brand new year that the next right thing would emerge for us as the year progressed and as we took like faithful action, right? And as we were chatting, I shared that I really felt like this had been one of the most productive years to date when it comes to like putting my head down and doing what matters most. And when she asked me about how, like she turned to me, she's like, okay, but how, like how has it been super productive? A lot of the answer when I really sat back and started to think about it, it had to do with my calendar. I know, wild, right? I know time blocking might not sound like the sexiest topic we could talk about in this space, but I really feel like there's tremendous freedom hidden in how you structure your day. We often associate structure and routine as these like limitations that that sometimes maybe it holds us back from having fun, right? But friends, repeat after me, there is freedom in structure. So often we derail ourselves, we fall off track because we let one thing shake us. We let one moment just have this ripple effect that leads us further and further from our goals. I'll have a woman who tells me, you know, I was working out so well and I was doing so well on my fitness routine and then my family came to visit and it just shook everything up. But here's the thing. If you already knew your family was coming to visit, you could plan for how you show up while they're there, if that's possible for you. And chances are it probably is. It's just making it work, right? And being crystal clear and communicating that to the other people around you, right? Letting them know that that's important to you. But then the other thing is, how can you bounce back immediately on the other side of that? So yeah, maybe you did put a little pause button on a goal you were working towards because the calendar kind of got cluttered with other things, right? But once the calendar goes back to normal, how can you get back on track faster and faster every time? Okay, so that's the first part. First, I take a moment. I take a pause. You've already marked it in your calendar, right, friends? Because at the top of this, I told you, like, seriously, put it in your calendar. The last week of the month, towards the end of every month, I want you to give yourself a gift of 30 minutes of just monthly check-in, okay? It's going to change everything for you, I promise. The second part is mapping out your month. So now that you have some clarity on what's working and then maybe what needs a little tweak or shift in the coming month, it's time to do like a bird's eye look at the month ahead. I want to help you see the big picture so that you can live with intention all month long. Before I get into time blocking my day, I have to know what's getting my yes on my calendar, right? So this step helps you align your time blocking strategy with your real world commitments and responsibilities. Because here's the deal. Time blocking typically involves like things that happen over and over and over again. And we'll get to that later in the episode. But when I can look at my month, that's where I can see the extras that oftentimes throw us for a loop. And I can also be intentional with like the goals that I have, right? Okay, but how do I map out my month? So here's how I want to explain it to you. First of all, I am not a digital girly. I'm more of a paper planner girly. But if you are digital, this works for you too. You just need a blank calendar in front of you. So whether that's your planner or you're going to grab your digital calendar, just open that up to the month, okay? I want you to write down any significant events 
trips, occasions that are scheduled in that upcoming month. So this can include birthdays. It can include work meetings, social events, holidays, trips, kids' sporting events or school functions, like all the things, okay? Understanding these commitments helps you plan your time effectively and then avoid last-minute conflicts. And here's the thing. This sounds so simple, right? Like you're like, seriously, I'm going to grab a calendar, I'm going to grab a pencil, and I'm going to write out the month. Yeah, I know. It's simple, right? But how often do we let the simple things slide, ladies? It's so easy to set aside a day at the end of the month to do this. And it's also really easy to not set aside a day at the end of the month and do this. But I promise you that doing this is going to create so much focus for the month ahead. And it's hard to know where you're going, honestly, if you don't have focus surrounding it. When it comes to time, aside from the day you were born and the day you die, everyone gets the same amount of time every day. Time doesn't discriminate. The most productive people on the planet get the same amount of hours that you and I do, and the least productive people on the planet also get the same amount of hours you and I do. It's like that whole Beyonce has 24 hours in a day quote that I'm sure you've seen at some point. That's where we get trapped, thinking we can just fix time. We can quote unquote manage time. Think about it. A manager manages people, right? And I'm able to like shift and adjust and help them with their skill sets. But there's nothing I can do about time. I can't fix time. It's not a problem to solve. It's a constant. Time is a fixed commodity. No matter how hard we try, we can't squeeze more hours into a day. It's the mom that, you know, if I just had an eighth day of the week, I could do it all. Or if I just had that 25th hour in the day, then I could do it all. You can't. Like, you just can't. So instead of trying to manage time, because that's not real and you can't actually manage it, let's focus today on how we can use the time we've got. And this, this is where I've had real shifts in my life. Instead of considering how I can manage my time, I think about managing tasks within that time. So not your time itself, but task management. Task management is this idea of prioritizing the people and projects that matter. And for me, that really resonates in this community specifically because we do self-care here in such a way where we focus on caring for ourselves so that we can give our best energy, our best time, our best skills to the people and the things that matter most to us, right? So task management is really in alignment with this space. And prioritizing people and projects that matter, it's the art of focusing on getting things done for the right reasons in the right places and at the right moments. And so task management has been super helpful for me. One thing I love doing is really just brain dumping like what tasks actually matter this week and then giving those tasks a specific place in my calendar. So rather than saying like I have to squeeze in this many hours of work in this day or this many hours in my workout routine. It's like, okay, what is the thing that I want to do? And then that's going to get a place regardless of like how long it takes. I have to look also at the right moments on my calendar. And so that's the other piece of this puzzle today. It's not just the tasks that I want to manage, but I also want to manage my energy and the time, the space in my calendar that I'm giving to that task. So the other piece of the puzzle is that there's rhythms to life, you guys. One thing I'm learning that really goes against the grain of traditional time management is understanding and honoring my natural rhythms. This is a day-to-day -day thing, a morning versus afternoon versus evening thing, and even a week-to-week -week or a seasonal thing too. Because we're not robots, friends. Our energy, our focus, our creativity, they each have their own rhythms. And your superpower comes when you can lean into those windows when you know your energy is naturally higher 
and then honor those spaces when you need to slow down and hit reset. For me, my energy is naturally higher in the morning and then I am not, <laughs> I am not really good after lunch. After lunch, I always have kind of a slump that I hit. And in the past, I would try to power through these slumps with more caffeine and continue to like power through and manage my time better. And what I had to learn is that it's okay to honor those moments when my energy is not at its peak because we need those spaces to slow down and reset too. It's in those moments when I do slow down that I get rejuvenated creatively so that I can come back even stronger, right? But it's when I power through that really my day isn't as productive as if I had just taken a moment to pause and slow down to hit reset. Far too often, we just wanna go, 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 even looking at the workday, you guys, and the flow of a traditional nine to five and a five-day work week. I've been looking at this a lot lately, thinking and really considering how archaic it actually is, especially if you're a knowledge-based worker or a creative. The nine to five was actually created for industrial lines, okay? And this was, you know, when they were created, it was because they wanted the line to work and run more efficiently. The lines were not created for human creativity. They were not created for these knowledge-based workers that a lot of us are today. And studies actually show, this is so fascinating, that most adults only have three to five deeply productive hours a day when their energy is at its peak. Most of the time, if you are in a place where you're doing a traditional nine to five job, I want you to think like, are you actually crushing it the entire day? Or can you look at maybe brackets and times of your day where you are more productive, right? And then those times where it's like, okay, I'm actually like my energy's lower. I'm not actually producing as much. Or I'm just like, I don't know, water cooling it, like where you're just kind of talking to your coworkers or just passing time, right? I guarantee that most of the time that we're actually clocked into work, it's not all productive work that's happening. So traditional time management means that we stick to these rigid schedules, but that doesn't work for for everyone. And so what if instead you didn't manage your time in the day, but you managed your energy? What if you could figure out when you were at your best and then you showed up and did what you were best at in that time frame? Or shoot, even at a minimum, at least start to become aware. Because I get this, it might not be possible in your current situation, but that's what this space is all about. It's making progress towards what matters most, right? So it really starts with awareness. A book I fell in love with called At Your Best talks about this idea of three zones. Like think like traffic lights where your energy sits throughout the day. So green is for your high energy, yellow for mid-level energy, and red is like your zapped low energy or no energy. And the idea is to figure out when your natural green, yellow, and red zones move throughout the day and then adjust your schedule so that you can do your best work when you're at your highest energy and then maybe like lower level tasks when you're at lower energy. And what's been helpful for me is realizing that if I want to be at my best for something like a date night with Charlie, okay, then I want to make sure I'm managing my energy as best as possible before that moment. And so friends, this takes living intentionally. When I look at when my energy is at its peak, if I have, for example, a really creative, you know, like I'm I'm writing my podcast script or I'm creating content for the sisterhood membership or I'm just trying to like do really creative work, that's not going to happen at 2 p.m. I am not at my peak at 2 p.m. Usually that's the time I need to take a pause or maybe just do like more rote tasks or other things that don't require as much energy. So think about it in your situation. You know, maybe if you have meetings first in the day and it's like sucking your best energy and you could utilize that time getting some of your higher level tasks done, is there a way to move those meetings? Maybe you're checking email first thing in the day and that's like a low energy task, right? Like anybody can check email at any energy level, right? But maybe 
maybe you're putting that first in your day and it's zapping your energy. And then by the time you do get later in the day and you get to those like bigger tasks on your to-do list, your energy is gone. So it's about, like I said, this idea of task management. What tasks are the most important tasks in your day? And who is the most important interaction that you have that day as well, right? And then understanding when your energy is at its best, when is it at its lowest? And then can you try to marry the two? Again, I know that in your current situation, it might not be possible, but it's about making the progress. And like I said, it takes living intentionally. And I know I say it on the podcast often, but guys, it's worth repeating. We have to take ownership in living lives that are focused and intentional with what matters most. So if you find yourself in this trap of time management where you're like, man, I just, the days get away from me. I don't know where the time goes. I'm not getting things done that I want to get done. It might not be a time management management issue because again, we all have the same amount of hours in a day, it might be a task and an energy management issue. And then somewhere in the middle is what are your priorities? What are you saying yes to? Are you making your plate so full that you can't actually look at your tasks that matter most and you can't actually manage your energy because you're so busy doing all the things for everyone else, right? That's the unsexy, unglamorous part that in order to truly get to a space where you don't feel like you're always missing the mark on time management, it really means you have to be bold enough to live life different than the masses. I mean, truthfully, to limit distractions because they're robbing you from your best yes, to stay focused because something or someone actually matters enough for you to do so. This is the unsexy, unglamorous work. It's sexy and glamorous to do things that everyone else is doing, but everyone else is tired, stressed out, depressed, on the verge of burnout, right? I don't want to live like that. So to live differently means I kind of have to do different. Time management, you guys, isn't working for you because it's what everyone's trying to do. And like I said, the masses are tired, stressed, surviving, overworked, underpaid, living lives that just feel like freaking Groundhog's Day on loop. Friends, you press play on this episode for a reason. You don't want to live life on that hamster wheel anymore. So here's where we flip the script. Instead of wrestling with time, let's conquer tasks that align with our energy levels and our priorities. It's not about the time. It's about the tasks. It means we have to pause long enough to even consider our energy levels, to consider what we're doing with our time, to consider who gets the best of us and who's getting the rest of us. And then the real kicker is we have to actually do something different, ladies. And this is the hard part. I get it. But it's also the part that brings forth the most fruit, the most rewards. So a couple of final thoughts as we land this plane. Time management, it gets the focus like it's some glittering solution, but it's time we see it for what it is. It's a myth, you guys, that doesn't always fit our beautiful, messy, purpose-driven, legacy-leaving lives. Instead of obsessing over squeezing every drop of productivity from our day and leaving at the end of it feeling completely drained and worn out, let's instead focus on managing our tasks and then embracing our natural rhythms and energy. Tasks and energy, friends. I promise the time will start to take care of itself. All right. I love you. I'm rooting for you. And until next week, get out there, take care of yourself so that you can love and serve from that overflow. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you love today's topic, it would mean the world to me if you shared this on your social to help spread the word. Tag me at Inspire Beauty Brit so I can see what you're loving and learning along the way. All right, friends. Till next time, let's go out there and take some action. <laughs>